You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Uh, I am like crazy nervous to preach this sermon today because this is a topic I care about very, very much. Something that I think I've been thinking about like five or six years. Something I think about very often, and um, I'm just, I'm just really excited about it. So um, I want to I want to share just kind of on the front of everything that everything that I say today is not meant to be in any way like a condemnation. It's it's just it's conviction and it's passion and I want it for you because I've experienced it and it's good. It's also not me touting that I've got something way more figured out than you do because that's just not it's not true at all. Um, it's just it's just the, the love of something and the fulfillment and satisfaction of something I just want deeply for everybody in this room, okay? So that's just all cards on the table. I'm really nervous. I don't want to interrupt you. No, go for it. Can you just check and make sure both switches are on? on Yeah, for sure. Power on, mic on. Is that any better? I don't know. Still nothing? Just let it build. I could use the the handheld maybe. Would that be better? Uh, Let's see, where is that? Which one was working? This one? It's right below you. Oh, this one. I'm not going to turn them on at the same time. I can take that Okay. For the... I'll just leave it on. Okay. How's that? Okay, yeah. That sounds better. Thank you, Nick. Um, yeah, so so I am just so excited that we're going through the book of Second Timothy. Uh, this is... This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I would say Titus is probably my very favorite, um, but Second Timothy is up there. Uh, these are these are these are books that I refer to as like the, the discipleship epistles um, because that's what I think a lot of a lot of it is about. Um, so for those of you who uh, haven't met me before, my name is Justin Gwynn. I'm the uh, campus director for a ministry called Campus Ventures with college students at the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. So I've been doing that there for the last uh, two-ish years. We started in 2018 in the fall. Um, before that, I was doing the same, the same thing just on staff uh, in Powell, Wyoming. Um, so this is something that I've, I've been doing for the last like five, five or six years, um, which is, I've just made it my life. It's what I do um, every day, and it's something I'm really, really uh, excited about. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're going through the book of Second Timothy. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Nick preached uh, probably one of my favorite sermons I've ever heard Nick preach before. If you haven't listened to that, especially you college students who maybe weren't here yet, go back and listen to January 5th, that sermon that Nick gave, because it was just incredible. It sets up the, the book of Second Timothy really, really well, um, and I think that you need that going forward into the rest of what we're going to be looking at uh, for the future. So... Really encourage you to do that. I think it was it was really really awesome. Uh, yeah, so so kind of to to kick some things off um, before I, I delve into it before I get too uh, uh, into it. Um, I want to I want to share with you the other side of my life, kind of what was happening in my Christian life uh, before about five years ago when I joined Campus Ventures and got a vision for what discipleship means. Uh, I think back then, if you had asked me what the what the term discipleship means, I would have probably given some kind of vague, weird answer. I wouldn't really have known how to answer that question. Uh, I would have, you know, claimed to be a disciple, and I, I think that I was, um, even though I was still trying to kind of figure out what that meant. 
But I want to illustrate for you kind of the picture I had in my head of what I thought it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, what it meant to, 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 follow, to follow Jesus. So how many of you feel like, show of hands, just be brave, that you are not great at like evangelism? Wow. So many volunteers. That's great. I can't have all of you come up. But who feels like they're the worst at evangelism? Mary, will you agree to come up? Yeah. Everybody give, give a hand for our Okay, so, yeah, here's the deal. Christ works in our, our weakness, makes us a strength, right? So this is going to work. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Mary is our evangelist, okay? She is going to go through the entirety of this room, and everybody who is who's currently sitting down, stay sitting down, when she touches, like, your head or your shoulder, whatever she feels comfortable with, I don't care what you're comfortable with, um, you're going to, to stand up, if you can. If you can't, then stay sitting, but... If you can, stand up, okay? And then when everybody in this room is standing up, we'll be all done, all right? Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? Okay, go. No. No time. We're just, this is pure conversion right now. This is okay, because I'm trying to drink coffee. It's <laughs> good. This is the common blend. Coming around. Really excellent. <laughs> Hope your cardio is good. <laughs> <laughs> also, not to mention, she just had major surgery like two weeks ago. Okay, I think from what I can see, pretty much everybody is standing. <laughs> so good job. Everybody give Mary a round of applause. She's a great, great evangelist. So I think that that took about three minutes for, for her to go around and do that with the whole room. Okay, so you guys can all, you guys can all sit down now. You guys are all great too. You can give yourselves a round if you want. <laughs> She did all the real work. But. Okay, so let's let's break that down a little bit because that's that's kind of how I thought it what was what like what it meant to be a good Christian, a good a good follower of Jesus is somebody who's just sharing the gospel all the time, and they're sharing with everybody that they know. Like every conversation that they have is centered around the gospel. They they like physically can't talk about normal things because it's just it's just all about sharing the gospel and doing the bridge presentation and going through the, the, the Roman road and all the, the spiritual laws and everything. Okay, that's, those are the people that I saw that were like the, the superheroes. It's kind of like how I wanted to be. I was terrible at it. Um, I didn't do it very often, but that's, that's kind of what I thought the ideal was. 
And then I thought, you know, so you'd go out and you'd share the gospel with everybody. That was a great conversion rate, by the way. That was like almost 100%, I think, everybody was standing. But you'd get everybody who, who was in, in, and you'd kind of get them together, and you guys would... You'd read a little of your Bible, and you'd talk about some stuff, and you'd argue about Revelation, because that was super important. And, um, and you'd, you'd maybe even argue with each other, and you get to this point where you're just kind of huddling up and waiting until you die. And then heaven is where like the real party happens, and everybody's really excited, and, and heaven is like what we're really like made for and destined for, and heaven's going to be what's, what's really awesome. And everything about our life right now is about heaven. And there's some things in there that are true, okay? That's not on the whole, that's not like terrible or bad. But I think what ended up happening, at least for me, kind of my perspective was I, I was really confused about what like my purpose in life was. And I felt like everybody around me kind of had a different answer, and it kind of just seemed like we're all just sort of waiting around for something. I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do in the meantime. And I think a lot of people were content to just kind of stand or sit and watch while somebody else, who was really gifted at it and really getting after it, was just doing everything, doing all the work. Everybody was just kind of standing around watching that. And that, that was my view. And, and maybe today that's your view. I don't think that's necessarily like a totally terrible thing. I just think it's really... It's, it's unfortunately really common, and and that's where that's where I was, okay. And I can I can sometimes slip back into that. But I think as much as maybe we can we can resonate with that, any piece of that, um, God doesn't want us to stay there. Like He has He has an answer that's way better than that. He has something in mind for us that helps us to understand what our purpose is, and then how we're going to accomplish that purpose. Okay. So um, today we're going to talk a little bit about purpose, but mostly the, the how of, of how we live out our purpose. Um, I'm coming in with the assumption uh, of your purpose. So if you'd like to debrief with this with me some more or, or argue with me about what your purpose is, I'd be happy to do it. But here it is. Just just this is what I'm working with. This is my definition. Okay. I think it's it's two things that are meshed into one and you can't you can't tear them apart from each other. One is that you would personally know God. That, that Jesus would be the Lord of your life, and so you have this personal relationship with him. Okay, that's, that's one. And then the other part of that, that is connected to that and inseparable, is that you are sharing and helping other people to experience that first part. Okay, that's it. And maybe you're saying, Justin, that's really vague and nebulous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's awesome. That means you can do that literally anywhere on earth. That means you can do that with literally any vocation you have. That means you can do that almost at any time of the day. So praise the Lord. It's really vague and nebulous that all it is is about just knowing who he is and then sharing that with other people. Because that means everybody here can do it, which is awesome. So that's, that's, that's where I'm starting. That's the, uh, that's the purpose, I believe, for your life. If you'd like to talk to me about how that's, you think it's not your purpose, I'm ready. I got some Bible verses to show you, so so we can talk about that afterwards. Um, but for now, let's go uh, to Second Timothy and take a look at what God has to say about this. So my section that I have is Second Timothy chapter two, verses one through thirteen, and there's a lot of really good stuff in here. Um, and so I'm going to talk about about everything that's in here. 
but I'm not going to do all of it justice, okay? So I'm just going to give you that on the front end. I'm going to be flying over some of these things. I want to talk about them because they're part of the, the context. But what I'm really going to do, what I'm really going to land on is verse 2, which if you're looking at it right now and you've just read it, you might think, that's weird. That doesn't sound like it's a very exciting verse. That doesn't sound very interesting. And that's exactly the same thing that I thought when I first heard somebody quote to me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And so hopefully, at the end of the day, we'll get, we'll get to there. So as we, as we come into this, what I'm, what I'm hoping we're going to see as we, as we uh, finish today, when we get to that point, I hope that everybody comes away with an understanding of, of this. I think the title in your bulletin is um, Inescapable Influence. I want you guys to know that your influence is inescapable. So use it. Okay, pretty simple. Your, your influence is inescapable. So use it. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit a little bit more about that. That's where we're gonna um, I hope hope land. So uh, let's go ahead and I'll read this through, and then we'll talk uh, about some of the verses, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and land on on verse two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back to verse 3. That's where I'm going to start. And we're going to talk through some of these things. Uh, What what is Paul saying to Timothy? So starting in verse 3, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. All right, so so Timothy has become a follower of Jesus. We think about what this means. Um, this, this, is a, this is a big deal. He's now a soldier. He's a soldier standing for, for light, for justiceness, for righteousness, for what is right. And that means he's up against some pretty awful enemies. He's up against wickedness. He's up against injustice. He's up against evil in the world. And that means this is going to be difficult. That means this is going to take some, some devotion. So he's saying, as, as a soldier, focus on your task. You, you want to please the guy that enlisted you, which is Jesus. So, so focus in on the thing that you are, are working towards. This is going to be difficult, so it requires focus. When I think about soldiers in the military, the things I think about that they need, discipline, focus, intensity, to do the thing that they're being asked to do, because it's, it's difficult. It's scary. 
And so, so Paul is using that same illustration for Timothy and, and means what it means to live uh, as a follower of Jesus. And then he turns to this next metaphor. He says, um, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And he uses this language before too. He, he talks about how this is kind of the, the, the sort of the end of the race for him and how hard he's, he's worked and how hard he's pushed. And he talks about as like an athlete, he's, he's training his body and training his, his, uh, his spirit to be able to, um, to, to work hard, to share the gospel with more people, to go out into the nations and bring people to know Christ. So he's saying that the same thing, you know, hey, my, my race is almost done. So you keep running, and, and the, the prize that's going to be rewarded to you is going to come from you continuing to run, continuing to have endurance. And then this, this, uh, this final metaphor, he talks about agriculture. He says it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So he's saying you, as a sower of seed and, and a reaper of, of that harvest, just like Jesus talks about in the parable of, of, the, of the seed sown on the soil, he's saying the same thing for you. You're, you're like a farmer, right? and you deserve to sow the seed and to see the people who are being, uh, who, are, who are coming to know Jesus from that. You, you deserve to see that as that first share of crops. Then he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I think the same probably applies for you guys. So even though I'm going through this like 50 miles an hour, just think about them a lot. And I think the Lord will give you understanding. <laughs> and then here is the, uh, the bedrock, starting in uh, verse 8. So he's, he's calling him to, to focus in now. Okay, what's, what's all these metaphors about? What, is it, what does it kind of come to? And he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. So think about Jesus. He is the point of all of these things. Don't let your, your, your farming, your investing become about anything other than seeing more people become like Jesus. Don't let your, your race running become about wealth or about prestige. Let it be always about who Jesus is. Let your, your military focus and your devotion be always about Jesus. And, and don't let it become about, about something else. Let it be about Jesus who, who died for you, who was risen from the dead, and who gives you his righteousness. He says, because I'm, I'm suffering for that gospel. I'm bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So don't worry, I'm, I'm in prison, but this is all good because now more people are becoming uh, followers of Jesus because of me being in prison. Okay, so he's trying to give, give Timothy a little bit of comfort there. So I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus for the eternal glory. And then he gives him this, uh, this, this kind of poem or this, this saying. He says... If we have died with him, we will also live with him. All right, so think about if we have died with him. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you have, you've died with him, and, and then you've been risen to life with him again. Okay? It's not something that's like going to happen in the future. It's, it's done. The, the moment you put your trust in Jesus, you are dead to the old self, and you are alive to the new self. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you the ability to listen and obey who he is and walk with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. The only, the only ability we have to endure comes from having his Holy Spirit in us. And so it's, it's listening to him, continuing on in this. This is kind of the, the theme. One of the things he's saying to continue doing is perseverance. 
So continue to endure in these things. If we deny him, he will also deny us. I, I think this is talking about people outside who, who never bow the knee to Jesus. Who from, from the get-go, from the, from the point of time that they start, they don't want to follow Jesus and they never, they never do. They've ultimately denied him and so he's not going to force them in. He's going he's gonna to deny them back. And the final, the final line, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Even, even when we are following him, even when we mess up, even when we're faithless, you look at the life of like Peter, man, God remains faithful to us and we have the ability to always come back to him because he's always faithful. It's part of his character. It can't change. He just is true. So he can't deny himself. Okay, so, so all of these things are being followed by one verse that I think is really, really key and important. And that's verse 2. I'm going to argue that 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, is one of the most important things Paul says in the entirety of his writings. Okay? It's a big deal. It's up there. And the reason for that is I think it mirrors something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. Okay? So he says this, verse 1 and 2. So you then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, if you're like me, five or six years ago, maybe you hear that and you think, this just doesn't, this isn't giving me goosebumps. This isn't, this isn't like all that exciting to me. I'm not like, I don't know why this is such a big deal to Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if you haven't thought about it long enough. So we're going to break this down, okay? Tell me, you math nerds, how many generations are represented in this verse? Chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 2. How many generations of people are represented in this verse explicitly? Give me a number. Four. Four? Yeah, who? What are they? Paul? Paul? Timothy, uh, the faithful men, yep. or people. The word men there is anthropoi, which could be men or women, depending on the context. So we could just say people if we want. And then the last one is the, the others, right? Okay, so explicitly, four generations. Paul is speaking to Timothy. He says, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust those things, then, so it's now to Timothy, you entrust those things to faithful people, who will be qualified to train others. Alright, okay, so now we're at four generations. That's just explicitly. <laughs> now if we take this and we, we turn it into um, implication, implicitly, how many generations are represented here? How many? A lot. Infinite, right? It just keeps on going. Okay? So, so think about this for, for five seconds, and maybe this will give you goosebumps like it does me. When you read this, and you trace back your own spiritual genealogy, the people who influenced you, the people who influenced them, the ones that influenced them, the one that led them to Christ, the one that showed them the love of Jesus, and you keep tracing that all the way back, I would argue that probably a majority of this room 
you're, the reason you're here, the reason you're following Jesus is because of this verse right here. And Timothy doing it. That just, ooh, man. I love that. When Seth, my director at Powell, shared that with me the first time, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, this is what my life could be about. This is it. We're not just waiting around. We, I get to be a participant in this. I can do this today, right now. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. I want to do that. I want to be a part of this line. I want to be a part of somebody else's spiritual genealogy, part of their tree. I want to be, I want to be a participant in this. Scripture talks about it being living and active. That's what this is like. This jumps out of the page and says, you, you can participate in this. This is what discipleship is. Taking on what you know about the Lord, learning more and more about Him, becoming just so crazy in love with Him, and then turning around and having it not just end with you. You have to turn around and you have to share it with 20 other people, two at a time maybe, and then it, it just makes you even more excited, and it makes them excited. And that's, that's, what, he's, that's what He's calling us into. So turn, if you, if you would, to Matthew uh, 28. It's the very last chapter of the book of Matthew. The last words that Matthew records Jesus saying to his disciples. Starting in verse 18, Jesus says, Jesus comes to them and he says, Hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much more authority is there left anywhere else? Zero, correct. <laughs> so he's saying literally every shred of authority that exists in creation has been given to me. So really important to listen to what he's going to say next. All right. It's a big deal. Okay. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I think so often when people quote that verse, we stop right there. And I think that's unfortunate. That's not all that he said. And I think what ends up happening, this is, this is kind of what it was for me. I remember the first version of the Great Commission I had memorized stopped right there. And, and it led to me thinking about what, what the example was with Mary earlier. So you're seeing people going out there and they're sharing the gospel with as many people as they can. And we're seeing people come in and then, but, but then there's no definition for what you do after that. It's just the, the next goal is just more disciples and, and more people and more learners. Because that's the, the word disciple means learner. Mephitis. It means, it just, that's all it means is learner. And so we make all these learners and then we just leave them there. And we don't teach them anything. And that's maybe has been your experience too. You feel like you, you became this learner and it was so exciting and it was so thrilling and you're just pumped for what's next. And then, and then it just kind of feels like everything after that was hard. And nobody's really there to show you how to do this. And you're kind of just trying to make it up as you go and, and you're not very good at it. That, that was my story. Praise the Lord. He doesn't stop there. Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So make sure they're really believers. You know, bring them to, to Jesus and teaching them to obey the things I've commanded you to do. 
and I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so two super important things that come after that point of go make disciples was, okay, now that you've made the learners, teach them. Teach them the stuff that they really want to learn. Show them the things that they really need to keep going. And guess what? I'm with you always. Because I can already I can already hear uh, your thoughts. I can read your mind. Justin, I don't feel qualified. <coughs> maybe you've had some training to do that, but I haven't. I don't feel like maybe I'm, I'm the right person to go do that with people. Doesn't matter. You think any of those 11 guys was qualified? None of them had any formal training. They spent three years with Jesus. That's what they needed. And then Jesus says, go. Go do it. And I'm with you. He's not saying go do this by yourself. He's not saying go disciple them in the ways of, of you. He's saying, I'm going with you. So show them how, show them how you follow me. And that is a, a beautiful thing. If you're like me, that, that's a freeing thing. That's, that's exciting. Because yeah, I don't feel qualified. I'm not by myself. When I uh, first moved to Powell, uh, well, moved back to Powell, it's my hometown, to work with Campus Ventures, uh, I was coming from Bible College. So I just done three years at Bible College. So I took courses on books of the Bible. Okay, I took Old Testament survey, I took New Testament survey, I slept through most of the New Testament survey, which was bad, but um, I took like specific, you know, I, t- I went through like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, I went through the book of Acts, you know, I, I had a lot of facts about the Bible in my head. And my last semester of college, I really was following Jesus. I was really excited about him, and, and Sarah and I were really reading a lot, and we were praying a lot, and we were, we were doing a lot of things that was really helping us grow in our faith, but we still didn't have somebody really guiding and challenging and showing us what it looks like to be a Christian. So even though it was really good, and there was a lot of momentum, there was a lot between us that was helping us to continue to, to press on, um, I still didn't have that, that the vision for having somebody mentor me and show me how to do this stuff. And so I, I got to Powell, and I'm excited because I'm like, man, I'm probably going to be the most qualified person on this team because my director hasn't been to Bible college, and the other guys I'm working with haven't been to Bible college, so I'm going to have a lot of a lot of stuff they don't have. And I I probably had a few more like facts about the Bible than my coworker Tyler, but let me tell you, my coworker Tyler, he had been he'd become a Christian like I think maybe maybe a year and a half or two years before. That moment when I when I moved over there, it was 2014 when we moved out there. So he had been a, he's what we would maybe call like a baby Christian, a year or two into the faith. Okay, I had given my life to the Lord at the age of 11, I think sincerely, but I had really just wasted a bunch of time in between that and uh, that year of college for me. So we're about the same age, and so me starting at 11, him starting in like 2012, and it's now 2014. And I remember sitting down, and this happened over the course of, of, of weeks, realizing the humbling thing that he knew way more about God's character than I did. I had a few facts on him, but that was not anything compared to what he had. And I started to wonder, you know, what, what's the difference between me and him? Because I got a degree. He's got two associate's degrees, and one of them is like in agriculture. This doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. And it wasn't the formal training that he needed. 
he had spent all of that time from the very outset of him deciding to follow Jesus, he had been under um, Seth Carter's mentorship. That whole like two and a half year period. And it blew me away. I was like, man, I want that. I want what this guy has. Because I've got facts and I've got a degree and that kind of looks nice to people, but I can't actually help anybody <laughs> with like their actual problems. But Tyler can. He's got two years of experience of what it looks like to follow Jesus through hard stuff. I want, I want that. And so that's what I got. For, for four years under Seth, he was mentoring me. He was meeting with me every week. I was seeing him multiple times a week. We'd meet at a coffee shop. We'd meet at his house. I'd watch him do construction projects. I'd watch him discipline his kids. I'd watch him um, get upset. You know, I, I got to see things about his life that I normally wouldn't be able to see. And I learned from so much from watching him live and watching him do the things he was doing. And it's because he was willing to invest his entire life in me. So this wasn't my idea. God put us in campus mentors and I'm so thankful that he did. Because I'm convinced that if I had gone anywhere else first, if I had become like a youth pastor, an associate pastor or something, I think I totally would have just burnt out and failed. I really think that. But I think because I went to Cambridge Ventures first, because I got that training in, in what it means to be a disciple and how to do discipleship first, it, it made the, the, the difference for my life. And I'm convinced that that's the way that Jesus wants us to do it. That's the way he did his life. He had, he had 12 guys that he was with constantly. And, and three, really, that he like really, really poured a lot of time into. Peter, James, and John. And then even just Peter, it seems like he and Peter got a lot of good, good one-on-one time. And if you think about his ministry, think about when Jesus ascended again. He probably had, uh, I, think it's, I think the estimates are around a few hundred followers. Okay? Because remember, throughout the course of his ministry, he keeps saying stuff that's really radical and scary, and people keep leaving. So, so kind of near the end, he's got a few hundred followers. Okay, if Jesus' goal was large numbers initially, then he, by by that standard, he would have been a total failure. But I don't think that's his goal. I don't think the goal is for each of us individually to go out and reach tons and tons of people. I think Jesus's. Goal, I think what he really did was he invested his life in a few people. And then, what happened after he rose again? He sends the Holy Spirit. And these, these 11 guys, and I would, I'd even really point out, you know, Peter, James, John, they turned the world upside down. They brought thousands to Christ. So all of this is stuff that I've been kind of thinking about and processing through. And realizing that, man, the way I was thinking about it earlier was addition. And I would say most of you in here, if you know anything about investing, or I'm assuming if you're a mind student, you know that exponential multiplication is way better than addition, right? It gets the job done a lot faster, right? That's all this is, really. So what does this look like for us then? Well, like I said... Influence, your influence, is inescapable. Even if you don't want this, that's too bad. (laughs) Unless you just go live all by yourself, you've got it. 
Your influence is inescapable. You are influencing your peers. You're influencing um, your parents. You're influencing your kids. You're influencing your friends. You're influencing your siblings. You're influencing your coworkers. It's inescapable. You are influencing people. You have the option as to whether or not your influence is going to be intentional or unintentional. You have the option as to whether or not your influence is going to be um, edifying and glorifying, helping people to know more and more about who Jesus is, or something else. You, you get that choice. God, God gives it to you. He wants you to be his partner in this. He wants to showcase his love in your life and make you so excited about him that you just can't shut up about him. Other places, he wants to do that, but he gives you the option. So, your influence is inescapable. I say, just use it, use it well. Make the most of it. Do it the right way. Invest every part of your life. Make sure that everything that you're doing with your time and energy is, is, is worth it, is valuable. So, bare bones, practical. This is where we kind of run into this, this place. I would say, when you leave here today, pray about, maybe God's already putting it on your head of somebody you could ask, ask this. Think about somebody in your life that you just think, like, man, I really like the way that they follow Jesus. It really makes a lot of sense to me. Or, or maybe it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I, I want to know more about that. I want, I want to understand that better. But they're kind of at a place where I'd like to be. Go to them and say, hey, I think that you follow Jesus really well, and I would like to do that better in my own life. Would you consider like meeting with me maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, maybe once a month? I don't know. It's not formal, but it's personal. It's invested time. Would you just like grab a meal with me, or I'll take you to coffee, or, or whatever. Whatever time you can get together that looks like that. Could you show me, I can ask you questions, and you can show me some things about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Really be that simple. Basically, will you be my Paul? Will you be my mentor? I think everybody in this room should have some kind of a, a Paul in their life. And on the flip side of that, as if that's not humbling enough and scary enough, I think that everybody in this room should really be thinking about one person, maybe two. You think, man, I think that they really are following Jesus or they really want to, or, or maybe they're just not interested at all. But I would like to, to help them with that. And I think I know at least a few things that I, that I could show them and what that means. Because I'm kind of trying to figure this out too. And I would encourage you to approach them and say, hey, listen, I have just been watching kind of your life and I see that you are trying to follow Jesus or you're interested in learning more about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And I think that there's maybe a few things that I could I could show you if you'd be interested in that. That's what you want to do. Let's see what they say. And as a quick um, caveat for the for the parents in the room, I would say that your primary uh, thing, people things people you should be discipling <laughs> things you should be focusing on people you should be discipling is your kids. If your kids are still in the home. You are their shepherd, you are their mentor, and that's what you should be spending like the, the bulk of your time on. Okay? Especially like stay-at-home moms. You do not need to like try to fit in 
five people into your life on top of your kids. Like, your kids are, are it, okay? So, just, I just want to address that. Make sure you guys understand that. But for the majority of us who are out of the home, out from under our parents' wing, ready to, to live this out, I think this is what this looks like. This, at least for me, is what I see in Scripture. I would argue that Paul did this with Timothy and with Titus for sure, because we have letters that show it. But I, I, I would even say that some of the things that he says makes it seem like he was probably doing this stuff with like Mark and, and even Luke, which is pretty cool. And I, I, I would also even say that he's probably doing this with Demas, who left him. That probably hurt Paul a lot. So this isn't, this isn't pretty either, necessarily. But I do think it's right. I do think it's what's supposed to happen. And so if you're, if you're feeling that hesitation of like, well, I just don't feel like I have time to do that. Maybe you need to tweak it. It's not, again, it's not like a formal thing. It's not like a model thing. This is, this is just about being obedient, I think. If you feel like you don't have time to make disciples, then you've got to take that up with Jesus because he's the one who said it, not me. Okay? So you've got to work that part out. I'm happy to brainstorm with you on how to do that. But in terms of doing it, that's, he said it. Okay? So what I want to do is I want to do the same same kind of same kind of thing. I, I won't use Mary because you got well actually yeah I will. Will you come up again, Mary? She's gonna help her now. Here's the thing. Now this time, Mary and Helena are going to go and put their hands on just two people, just two. And we can say that that would be the investment of Mary's entire life. Just the two people in her whole life. And then those two people are going to stand up and they're going to find two people each to do the same thing with. Okay? Until everybody's standing up. Does that make sense? Right? Okay? So go ahead and start that. Now, sorry, one second. That means that when you are touched... You need to look for somebody else to to touch. And that could mean, especially for some of you guys in the back rows, getting up and moving somewhere and going across the room maybe, right? So, just one for that out there. Don't just like stand there. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. And stand up when you've been been touched. Just two each, okay? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Matt's getting after him. He's running. <laughs> Nick's on his crutch and he's going for it. This is great. Okay. Okay. I think everybody's standing, so go ahead and sit down. <laughs> Okay, what did you guys notice comparing that to the first time around? What was different? What's that? Faster. Okay, way faster. Oh my gosh. Last time it took three minutes, this time it was less than one. I watched. 
Okay, less than one minute. So this is an example. This is a metaphor. But if we're talking about, you know, just, just trying to go and share the gospel with as many people as possible, we're talking about like years and years of your life. And, and this one, we're still talking years of your life, but in terms of people reached, people impacted, way faster. Exponential multiplica- multiplication rocks. It's way better than addition. Okay? What else? What else did you guys notice? More fun. It was way more fun. <laughs> yeah. It was way more fun. Because it wasn't just Mary, it was everybody. Everybody was moving, everybody was walking around, everybody was doing stuff. Okay, what else? What's that? Yeah, way more relational. There was way more connections being built between people. Absolutely. Anything else? It just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. <laughs> So I think, I think, to me, what I see too, I noticed you guys talked a lot more, and things were a little bit messier. It wasn't as clean cut. It was a little messier. And that's what discipleship is like. It's a little messier. You're going to step on some toes. You're going to hurt some people's feelings. People are going to hurt your feelings. And Paul had Timothy. He had Titus. He had, um, I think, even Onesimus. He had uh, probably Mark and Luke. But he had Demas too. It wasn't always roses. It wasn't always great. There's hurt. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Jesus told us to do it. So this, what, what we just did, is, is I think the biblical picture of what discipleship looks like. Because to me, it's overwhelming to think that I'm supposed to just have like an insane amount of spiritual conversations and bring all these people to the Lord. And, and guess what? Even in this example, it wasn't just one person walking by and leaving everybody else behind to go to the next people. It was people reaching out to others and then being with them, standing with them. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a discipler. You're making learners and then you're teaching them. You're not making a learner just to leave them to learn whatever else they can figure out. Okay? Your guys' your influence is inescapable. So use it. Be a part of that. Can you imagine what would what would what would it look like? I think we're already seeing this. If, if the entirety of our church did that, if every single body in this room had somebody mentoring them and showing them what it means to, to follow Jesus better, and had somebody or two people that they were really investing their life into and teaching them how to follow Jesus better. Can you imagine what that would look like in our church? Can you imagine what it would do to our city? You think about the the homelessness problem. You think about uh, the school of minds, the higher rates of depression and feelings of isolation and feelings of being overwhelmed and anxious. Do you know how much of that would be eradicated? I mean, this is it, you guys. This is, this is why this is so much on Jesus' heart. This is why I think Paul repeats this here. It's the same message all the way out, all, all the way up to, to creation. God made Adam and Eve to be with him, to know him, so that the, the future of all generations would know him. Same for us. We get to multiply spiritually.
So if you guys have, have questions about that, if you guys want to know more about what that looks like, um, super, super happy to talk with you about that. We're going to read the whole book of 2 Timothy, so if you want to listen to it in its entirety, uh, the whole context take about uh, 10 or 15 minutes in the fishbowl after this. Um, but please, talk, talk, to, talk to Nick. Um, find somebody. Think through. I think God will show you who he wants you to meet with. Both somebody to invest in you and somebody for you to invest in. And really do that. I mean, actually do it. Quit with the scared stuff. That's lame. Everybody's scared. I'm scared. Always. <laughs> Just do it anyways. It's a huge responsibility to ask somebody to invest in your life. And it's a huge responsibility to know that you're sharing with them is going to maybe change the course of their life. That's, that's scary. But you're not alone. Jesus didn't tell you to do it by yourself. He said, I'm with you. And we're discipling them to Him. Not me. So let's pray uh, as we close today. Jesus, would you just help us to know more and more about who you are? You have made us with the explicit design that we would be in relationship with you and in relationship with other people. And Lord, we, we broke that. We're broken. And so what that looks like for us is, is just messy and it's difficult. But your heart is still the same. You still are personal. You still want to know us individually. But it's not supposed to stop just with me individually. Everything that you lavish on me personally, everything that you show me, how much you love me and how personal you are to me, how much prayer you answered for me, it's not just to end with me. It's meant to be passed on to someone else. Would you give us the bigger vision, Lord, of what it means to multiply? Would you continually woo our hearts into the process of discipleship? Would you give each of us someone in our life like Paul to challenge us and to show us the things that we're doing that make a lot of sense and to help us with the things that we're really wrestling with and to call us out when what we're doing is stupid? Give us the humility to put someone in a position like that over our lives. And would you also, Lord, give us a Timothy, maybe a Titus too, that we'd find somebody who we don't have to be that much more mature than. It's just it's just the, the, the fact of, hey, I, I know a few things. I know how to read my Bible. I know how to pray. I can share that with someone. So Lord, when we do that, when we begin to invest our life in somebody else, and even it, it ratchets up the responsibility for us. It makes, it makes us more excited about what it means to follow you. It, it makes it a lot more real because now it doesn't just stop with me. It has direct impact on the person that I'm trying to invest my life into. And I think you did that on purpose, Lord. So would you empower us and strengthen us, give us courage and boldness to go and to do that? And Lord, I look with expectancy and excitement to see what that's going to do here and what that's going to do in the school of minds and what that's going to do for the city of rapid city how that's going to change um, everything about the culture that we live in we pray these things in your name jesus it is for your name and your kingdom that we do it Amen. thank you for listening we hope you have been blessed Please join us again at Common Ground Church.